0: Thank you, Lee. I promised in this study on prayer, we look at the Lord's Prayer together. It's a bit of a challenge. If you have your Bible there, I'd encourage you to open it up because we're going to walk through there. And you may want to leave some notes because we hear this prayer, but we may not really know what we're praying. What do those words mean? We've sort of been taught to memorize it. And really, all of it is in the context of this idea that we've been looking at for this is our third week of having God as our father. We had a funeral service here yesterday and at the end of the service, there were a lot of people I didn't know at the end of the service, I said, if anyone wants to talk about a relationship with God, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And at the reception, one of the guys sort of surfed over to me, an older guy, and, and he said, I've never really heard that God loves me. How could this be, be true? What does that mean? So it's the beginning of a conversation. And when you think about that, you think about, think of this immense barrier we feel between us and God and coming to that place where we can actually believe, well, God is for me. He's he's not angry with me, right? I'm not always disappointing him. To learn this relationship is the challenge of this prayer. Uh, One of the stories about learning through your father that impacted me a lot comes from the guy who was hired by Robert Redford to be the horse expert in this movie, The Horse Whisperer. Redford needed somebody who really knew horses and he hired arguably one of the greatest horsemen alive right now, his name is Buck Brannaman, And Buck grew up in a household with a super abusive alcoholic father. I mean, he lived in fear of his dad every day. And he said that he, he knew that, that he didn't know what would happen to him if he didn't have his mother because his father would lash out, literally with physical beatings. And his, his, the goal of his dad, he only had one goal, was to make him and his older brother, you'll see a picture of them, his name is Smokey, to be the greatest horse, you know, cowboys in America. And this is them from a TV show. As young kids, that dad literally whipped them into being amazing cowboys. And what Buck said is when his mother died, he was a young boy, he believed his life would be over. Who would protect him from his dad? But it just so happened he was at school one day and all the kids went out to play at gym. And when the boys came back in, the coach told them to all shower off and change into their clothes to go back to class. And this one kid, Buck, he wouldn't go in, he wouldn't take off his clothes and go into the shower. And so finally the coach made him do it. And when he took off his shirt, Buck's back was covered with fresh wounds as well as scars. I mean, it was was frightening to see. And that coach that day said, This is never going to happen to you again. Buck was taken and and, and placed with two foster parents, Forrest and Betsy Shirley. But let me tell you what happened. When Forrest, his foster father, came to pick him up in his truck, this is what Buck said. He said, I was so scared of men, I couldn't speak. He couldn't even introduce himself back to this man who was taking him into his home. And actually what happened is that man walked up, introduced himself and he walked back to his truck and Buck said just that movement of walking back to his truck and not knowing what was gonna happen. He was terrified but his foster father returned and he knelt before him and he simply gave him a pair of work gloves. He was inviting him to be alongside of him. And he would learn from this man a tenderness and, and gentleness that prepared him to be as sensitive as he is to now and to be that sensitive with animals. And you begin to think, what would it be like for us if we actually experienced the love of our Heavenly Father? We, we discovered the God who is for us and not angry with us because of Jesus. You see, this prayer is an invitation into that relationship. Would you pray together with me? Lord, not all of us had good fathers and even those of us that had the best fathers, they really could not show us the glory of what it means to have you as our loving father. And so I pray, Father, that this would be a day when you invite us, you continue to invite us to seek you and and to come to you And we learn what it means to enjoy you in communion, the communion of prayer. And we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But when you pray, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, Jesus in his teaching on prayer, he doesn't begin with the prayer. He begins with a series of instructions geared to where the Jewish people are at this point. You see, they weren't walking with their heavenly father. They were using prayer as a means of gaining status in the community. So they would pray publicly and they wanted people to hear them. They wanted people thinking how holy and and spiritual they were. And, And again, this is how you gained your status And so Jesus repeats that word father and he's inviting them into this relationship and sadly they've they've mistaken the use of prayer. And I think we can do the same, right? I mean, we can learn the words of this this prayer and memorize them and and come to say them in rote and miss the whole fact that the prayer is about relationship. By the way, the, the Jewish people had a series of 18 prayers they said three times a day And nowhere do they address God as their loving father. There's so much about their enemies and protecting the temple in Jerusalem, which, by the way, you don't find in this prayer. And all we find here is this invitation with very simple petitions. It's not words to be prayed, but a relationship to be enjoyed. And I think this is a tough lesson for us to learn, right? I mean, you think about how much knowledge we have today, and if you think what separates us from all the generations before is the, is the fact that no one has had this much knowledge at our fingertips. We have more information at our beck and call than any other people that have ever lived. I wish I had been a student at the time when an artificial intelligence bot could write my term papers. Come on, that's awesome. And, and I would like a, actually a good sermon if the, the bot would help me, right, with that. I can learn anything I want to, to do from YouTube videos. But the thing is this, there are different kinds of knowledge. There are different kinds of knowing. If you've seen the, the movie Goodwill Will Hunting, Here's a picture of, perhaps you remember this scene, Will Hunting is the young guy there played by Matt Damon, and Robin Williams is his therapist, his psychologist. And this young kid, by the way, he's brilliant. He has a photographic memory, and he can solve the most complex mathematical proofs, wow, just like that but his life isn't working. Though he knows it all, he can't give or receive real love and he's afraid to be vulnerable. And at one point in time, the psychologist cuts through all of that facade. Come on, it's a show and he says this. So if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo, you know a lot about him, life's work, Political aspirations, the whole works, right? But I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. You see, you can have all kinds of knowledge. You can even learn this prayer. But there's a point when you know the smell of the Sistine Chapel. You know how to offer this prayer to God as a child talking with a loving father. And that's where Jesus is inviting us. He's not giving us a prayer to just be repeated rote. He's inviting us to pray as openly as that, to speak to God in person, to be totally vulnerable. You see, Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, like, you guys have gotten prayer wrong you think it's all about the words you say and getting things right and and how it sounds it's not for showing off it's for communion and this is what the father wants with you yes we have tons of information in our world but but not a real knowing and this is the invitation of this prayer so how am i supposed to understand this prayer jesus says so this then is how You should pray, and that's what I wanna look at with you today, how we pray. Now this prayer is shocking. I mentioned the 18 prayers, this is so brief. There are no long titles for God, and by the way, often prayers, there'd be a half a page just of titles. There's no pressing God or convincing God, no no cases being made. It's made of simple requests and affirmations. And as I mentioned, the entire prayer is about our Father. God makes his name holy. He brings his kingdom. He, fills, he fulfills his will on earth. He, he's the one who gives us daily bread and forgives us so that we can forgive others. He, he saves us from the power of evil. You see, this is all about coming to this Father and knowing who he is. And it's simply been called that, right? The, our, our Father. Shorthand for, this is a communion of a child with her father, his father. God's whole plan to redeem you and me stems from his, his, his desire to gather you into his family. Listen to the prophecy of the Old Testament. God explaining his mission. I myself said, this is the Lord talking about himself, how gladly would I treat you like my children, and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me me father and not turn away from following me. Do you hear the longing heart of God? I want you to call me my your father, and I want I want you to come to me. But of course, they 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 did turn and, and they failed to enjoy him. And now in Jesus, we're we're being brought near. And when you come to faith in Jesus, God looks at you and he says, You're mine. You're my daughter, you're my son. To have us say, as the prophet Isaiah said, yet you Lord are our father, we, we are the clay, you are the potter, we, we are the work of your hand. And you sort of think, okay, this is so powerful being invited into this relationship, but what is that father like? You know, you heard about that, that evil father who was so mistreated his son that his, son, his sons had to be taken away from him And by the way, the patriarchs, the the men in Israel at the time, they they weren't all gracious. They were about their reputation and their status. They didn't treat the women in their family well, their wives or their daughters. They were not marked by tenderness, but by status and influence. Yet Jesus recast this whole notion of who our father is, right? In the parable of the prodigal son. He tells of a loving father whose son wanted him dead and pilfered away half of all that he had. And the father doesn't wait until the son makes it right. He runs across the the ground out in his house, something a, a father would never do in those days, just to embrace his son he puts a robe on, his, on him, the best robe, which by the way, would be the father's robe in the household. He gives him a ring for his finger. It's a sign of authority in the household and sandals on his feet, which say, you're not a slave, you're my son. And then he throws a feast to welcome him back you see, it would be scandalous to love like this. No father was like this. And it's it's because Jesus isn't describing a wonderful earthly father. None are this good. He is describing his father that he so desires you to know. You know, at that memorial service, funeral service yesterday, I think the kids were so excited because everybody in the room was learning about their father. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus is doing that too. He's inviting us. He's describing our father. And so his story is not about a remarkable human father, but about God whose goodness, love, and compassion, well, they know no limits. And you know, I started with the horse whisperer, Buck Braneman, with his sensitivity to horses. And what he does is he goes around the country and he leads clinics for those who, who own horses. I mean, he's a terrific horseman. And one of those clinics, if you watch the um, documentary about his life, what you will see is this woman brings this horse that when it was born, its mother died. And so it grew up without any horses. And by the way, even horses teach respect to their own young. And this horse had never learned any respect and it was a stud, right? And so is brought to this clinic and is so dangerous, it injures one of the people helping the horses. It bites them on the head. He's that violent and a point in time comes in which that horse is being loaded onto a truck and buck comes out and he is just so gentle with this horse. You're like, oh my goodness. And the next day at the clinic, there's a woman and there's a Q&A time. And she says, that horse that, that hurt the helper, how were you so gentle with him? Why, how could you do that? And you know what Buck did? He rewound the tape to when he was a boy and he was treated violently. And how he was led out of that. And how he learned what gentleness and love is all about. And how that has shaped his life, everything in his life was put on a different footing. You see, everything in this prayer, all that we pray, is based upon this relationship with the Father who loves you graciously and treats you tenderly, and because of that changes our lives. You you have come to the God who wraps you up in his arms because of how he cares for you. Now notice in the prayer we say, "Hallowed be your name." Now you read that in U.K. say, "Of course, this is like praying for wood to be solid. It is solid. God's name is holy. So why are we praying this prayer? The reason is because in Scripture, God's name is often dragged through the mud by His people. And this is still the story today. How many people who claim to love God have sullied His name and actually made it unwelcome? in places all across our country and the world. You see, it's hallowed or made holy in the eyes of people when God does his saving work. Isn't that true when you love somebody? How do you want other people to view them? And how much more with God His holiness and glory becomes visible then. And as we come to know God as our loving father, we we want all people to know him. Just as I was saying of that service yesterday, the family, they so much wanted to tell stories about this loving father and grandfather. And how much more do we want people to know the God who has loved us, to know his care? And then we find your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We add a prayer for the rule of God to scrap bread across our world. Again, only God can do this. But it's important that we know what this means. Some people have mistaken it to mean, oh, this is God taking over countries and, and political powers, but, but it's not that. Or it's about the church somehow taking over. Well, it's not about that either. Or some have thought, oh, it's about this mystical reign of God just in people's hearts. Well, it's not that either. This is not the rule of an iron-fisted Tyrant or an idea that fills our heads. So, how do we know what it is? We are praying for the kingdom that we see coming through the ministry of Jesus. Look at how Jesus treated people. Look at the mercy and kindness, the generosity and humility and grace. You see, it's when that fills our world and we are living as God created us to live in the beginning where sins are forgiven and debts are cleared, where a place is made at the table for, for everybody, no, no matter how far they've, they've moved, they've run away. And for the self-righteous too. If you want to know what it means for God's will to be done for the, for the reign of God in our world, Look at Jesus. That's what he was doing. Look at the way he treated people. You see, this is the kingdom that we long for and that God has promised to bring in. And here's where we get another insight into this prayer. Only God can establish his kingdom in the lives of people, but you know then, you're praying for yourself. You have the opportunity to live in the kingdom right now. Right? You can pledge yourself Today, I, I remember years ago, um, one, of my, one of the musical heroes when I was a younger guy was one of the greatest guitarists I think of all times. His name is Phil Kagey. You'll see a picture of Phil. He, he, could, he could tune his guitar in 18 different ways, right? Not just one way. Super talented. He was teaching a young, poor kid to play uh, the guitar one day and he, he was teaching that kid he wanted to learn. The kid wanted to learn how to play guitar, but he didn't own a guitar of his own. And at the end of the session with Phil, the young boy said, would you pray that God would provide me with a guitar? And Phil said, yes, I'll pray. And then the boy left and he looked around in his house and it was filled with guitars. And he was like, it may be possible that I could actually be the answer to the prayer that God has for the boy that I just prayed for. Do you know that's true about the kingdom of God? We're praying that God's kingdom would come here on earth. And what about if it started to come in your life as you commune with your father? This involves you. You show forth the goodness and glory of God. You live the kingdom of Jesus right now. And so this prayer becomes a part of the way your prayer, the way God answers this prayer. And then he says, and give us today our daily Bread. There's also this prayer for provision, the word daily. By the way, if that's your Bible, the word daily is the most difficult, one of the most difficult words to translate in the whole New Testament. And the reason is we have that word nowhere else in ancient literature. So we don't know how it's used. And some people have said, oh, it means daily, like talking about time. And other people have said, no, it's really about bread. It's about the stuff. And so there's, there's been this tension over it. What I think it actually means is this, bread that never runs out. Well, why this? I think Jesus is telling us this is the place where we address one of our most profound and basic fears. Are you gonna have enough? I know you're managing well now, but what about the future? What if I lose my job? What if I become sick? I mean, I've always sort of felt even if I lost my job, I could, I could go be a greeter at Walmart or something like that, right? But what if I can't work? How will I survive? Have you ever planned those scenarios? What you'll do with sort of the, the house that feels like a house of cards someday, if it falls down, how will I make it? You know, when my dad died a couple of years ago, he left a little bit of money to the members of our family. It wasn't a fortune. It wasn't like money you could retire on. Sandy and I have never made or had a lot of money, but I found I didn't worry less, but I worried more. So how could having a little more cause me to worry more? Think about that, it may be true for you. You see, one of the most crippling fears we experience is the fear that we might not have enough. And you see, to pray for bread without ceasing is saying, Oh, God is the one who provides that, what I need every day. And he's always done that. And I'm going to rest in him and trust in him. That's what this prayer is about. This this provision all of us need. And only our Father can drive out that fear and give us joy and help us feel secure. By the way, you, you can't get enough. You think it's just a little more or maybe you put an amount in your mind. But it's not about how much you have, it's about your heart, it's about your perspective. And this prayer turns our eyes to our father who alone knows what we need and can provide it. And then Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now do you hear that? Now I wanna point out through the prayer, we've heard the word our. This prayer is prayed in community. It's, It's not just for you, but it's for the life of us together because we can't live in community unless we can learn to forgive each other. And so today, who out there have you not forgiven? Who do you harbor a bitterness for or an anger over something done to you? And by the way, likely if you do, you will or or you already have put more and more distance between the two of you, right? This is what will happen. This prayer is a heart cry for the Father to release you from that debt you carry around in your heart, which he can do and he will. This is the purpose of the gospel and why Jesus came, right? And it's for you to receive his forgiveness, but also because you know you've been forgiven, you can forgive others. Now it's not saying, hey, I'm a doormat, you can do anything you want to me. It is seeing that only when anger and bitterness and hatred and a desire for revenge are drained from that struggle can actual healing begin. That's where it begins. That's what we're asking for here. This is the forgiveness that we learn, right, in Christ. And the Father helps us to live in. And by the way, this assumes we can see our own sins. And as we do, we'll be equipped to see others. We have compassion because we see other people as the sinners we know ourselves to be. And so this prayer asks our fathers to teach us. And by the way, this is so powerful in community. When we see it being lived out. I remember years ago when we were living in the New York metropolitan area, there's this amazing story that came out. It was about these kids who had stolen somebody's credit card and in New York City, wound around and bought a lot of stuff from stores. And they're just goofing around, they were having fun. Until one of the things they bought, one of those kids, they were out on the street, they bought a frozen turkey. He just threw it out into the cars in traffic. Little did he know, it would crash through the windshield of a woman named Victoria Ruvalo. And it hit her right in the face. She nearly died right there at the scene. They got her to the hospital. Numerous surgeries in which they had to literally reconstruct her skull with metal plates and other pieces of hardware that were fitted together. And when that young man went on trial, you'll see her and the young man, his name is Ryan. Um, When the young man went on trial, the prosecutor said, look, there is no punishment you could give this kid that would be enough. And when Victoria was asked what she wanted, she said she was most concerned about salvaging the life of this young kid, Ryan. Then in the courtroom, the unexpected happened. It wasn't canned. The young man walked over to her and said in a soft voice, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. And Victoria just took him in in her arms. And you you could see she was stroking his hair. And she said, It's okay. I just want you to make your life the best that it could be. And there was a hardened prosecutor and there was a reporter and there were tears in their eyes because they have never seen anything like that. And what begins to happen in a community when people learn a forgiveness that is extended to others, that shows them this stuff is real. Actually, debts can be forgiven. Sins can be forgiven. This is the power of forgiveness. And this could shape a community. It's meant to shape ours and the community of the people of God because we've been forgiven. This is the heart of the gospel. And you see, praying will change you because your prayers You're pursuing God for this forgiveness yourself. And then there's one final observation in the prayer. By the way, I'm going fast. If you want more detail, the podcast, you'll hear a lot more detail this week. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this final petition is about safety in the midst of danger. We don't talk much about Satan or hell or even death. But the power of evil is right here. In, the, in this prayer that we lift to our Father, we're to regularly call upon God for freedom and protection from this evil. But you should know God doesn't tempt us. A better translation I find in the new RSV, it goes like this, and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. It's saying, God, you know, I don't even know the choices that I'm making. A lot of times I can't see the direction that I'm going but you do, would you protect me? And I realize I'm in danger every day, even though most times I don't believe it. I think I'm safe and okay, but but I'm not. Would you protect me? I love it when you read the book of common prayer, you know, you get to the baptism of adults, not infants. And they have questions that they ask the person being baptized, this is what they ask. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? I renounce them. Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? I do. I remember one priest saying he was reading these to some adults and one adult was so shocked by what the question was, he was asked, you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And he just blurted out, hell yes, because this stuff, this stuff is real. Okay? And I know there's a cool little video that had a dragon and stuff in the beginning of our service, but we encounter this every day and you're in danger every day. And so Jesus says, look, the father is determined to protect you. Ask him to guide you. Call upon him to show you the way. Now, as you read this prayer, you begin to realize every petition of it is a window into Jesus's prayer life. It's a portrait of Jesus. You see, he addresses God as his father. He makes God's name holy. He he brings the kingdom into our world. He does the will of the Father. You remember the cross? That, that's what it's all about. He provides his body for the life of the world. He's brought the forgiveness of our sins. He's the one who saved us from the power of evil and ultimately the power of death. And you know what this is? Jesus, this is his way of saying, would you guys pray with me? No, I mean really along with me. This is my prayer. This is who I am. I remember enjoying Henri Nouwen's book On the Prodigal Son. Nouwen was a priest and he became so weary and discouraged in his work. You'll see a picture of him. It was an overwhelming time in his life and he was so beat down by life. He said, the anguish completely paralyzed me. I could no longer sleep. I could not be reached by consoling words. All had become darkness. And he was visiting a friend's office at the time, and he noticed a a framed reproduction of a Rembrandt painting that's super famous. It's called The Return of the Prodigal. You'll see it there. In the darkness, it's hard because it's also a very dark painting. The painting hangs in the hermitage in St. Petersburg in Russia. And it's hard to even get to see it if you could even go to Russia today. But he had the privilege because of people that knew him to actually go to the hermitage and to sit before that painting for about two weeks just to imagine what is it like to have God as my loving father. This is what his friend said. He said he spent so much time as the kneeling son absorbing his father's unconditional love that he was in the painting. Soon he came back with more energy, more light in his eyes, ready for the new life ahead of him. Do you know what this prayer is? It's God saying, hey, come into the story of the child that knows that she's loved unconditionally, that can always call on the name of her father, the name of his father, For protection, provision, and care. To pray, to pray along with Jesus, these words of a son. Would you pray together with me? I'm gonna put the words on the screen. Very simply. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we so need to know you in your steadfast love. Show us Jesus. Remind us what it means to be your child. Help us to see your hand upon us. And you've invited us into the story of redemption that you're telling in our world and our lives. We are a part of it. Help us to learn what your kingdom is all about from knowing who you are and from seeing Jesus so that we can enjoy you and commune with you in prayer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you please stand and we'll sing together. and.